If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So goodbye, please don't cry, we both know I'm not... Mark I mean, who amongst us? Actually, I amongst us and Mark and Sarah talk about songs. And so is my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Listeners, we all have reached the end of this amazing road. The record of the year showdown. It's come down to this. Simon and Garfunkel, Gautier featuring Kimbra. Mark, could you let us know how the selection of our champion is going to work today? Sure. And let me also add that Sarah and I are both recording this while wearing formal wear. And I hope that you are listening while wearing formal wear yourself. It's the only thing. Or at least sweatpants with a tuxedo strap. That's right. Or that those t-shirts with the tuxedos printed on them. Also acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so today we have two contenders only and at the very end of the episode we are going to reveal our rankings for both of those contenders we're going to talk about these songs as a pair add some final thoughts about the season and then at the very last moment reveal both rankings that i have given the songs that sarah has given the songs and that our patreon patrons have given the songs because we figured if we reveal the rankings for one song halfway through it kind of ruins the suspense Mm -hmm. so it'll just be a big grand reveal like they used to do on american idol and maybe still do on american idol but i don't watch that show anymore uh so yes sarah here we are goche kimbra simon and garfunkel and as i look at these two excellent songs being of course somebody that i used to know and bridge over troubled water the thing that i keep coming back to is in a way it feels like uh head versus the heart situation for me as i consider them obviously the goche song is filled with emotion but the allure of that song to me in a way is the intellectual appreciation i have for the construction of the song but also the feeling i have for it like it, both things are true but it's the the intellectual thrill that dominates compared to the way the emotional thrill of bridge over troubled water is what dominates for me there that song is also intellectually quite satisfying to consider god knows we've been doing it for weeks uh but i I, at the at the end of the day if i were to be hyper reductive that's how i would describe my uh consideration of our two remaining finalists today Uh, yeah 
it and it and um, super ego a little bit because I think that there are um, meta textual pleasures to Gautier that add to the actual text. Um, yes, that subtext and supertext add to the text, which itself, as you said, is very enjoyable. Um, but the there's like viscera involved in Bridge Over Troubled Water. Um, I think we both, we each pulled a clip for these songs. So shall we, <laughs> somehow there were clips that we had not yet pulled, I guess. I'm not sure how uh, how we managed to uh, avoid pulling every single inch of these songs. But um, shall we hear a clip from Bridge Over Troubled Water and then discuss a little bit more? Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. Uh, I chose this clip for a few reasons. Um, This is from the Central Park concert again. We heard a clip from from this concert earlier in this season when we were talking about Mrs. Robinson. Um, This is a much closer arrangement to the original, which I think I did not realize until I had, you know, begun to contemplate this recording of it the way that we close read it here at Mastass. Um, And... I'd just like to note that one of the reasons I chose it is that uh, Mr. Garfunkel is leaving it all on the field in front of basically the entire tri-state area. Like, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of drunk, stoned people, um, and you're going to hear almost all of them at the end of the clip. Here is Bridge Over Troubled Water from the 1981 concert in Central Park. I'm I mean, it's it's just him. It's just Garfunkel singing in this rendition of it. And he he nails it. You can hear him gathering himself right before this clip. He's actually fucked up the lyrics, which is endearing to me. Um, he like he's gathering himself and then he fucking nails it to the wall of history. Yeah. Note for note, and then you can tell that the crowd was like, "Does he has he still got it?" And then he's just wailing like seventeen lungs worth, and the whole crowd is like, "Woo!" And also, yeah, uh, I mean, it's just like this wonderful um, twist on the relationship at the heart of the song that we've always talked about in their relationship on stage, and that sometimes. That form of support comes via stepping back and letting the other person go to the top of the bridge, step into a very bright spotlight, and fucking kill it. Um, So, and then waiting for him on the other side is this crowd, which could not wait for him to do great, and he did, and they were thrilled. So, uh, that's why I picked 
this clip. Um, like just considering the difficulty rating on this for Art Garfunkel, um, I have some regrets as to some things that I said during the Moist FM season. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, I think All that... All I know is that I forgive you. Yeah, I mean, I hope he forgives me. Those arrangements were extremely damp, let's face it. Um, yeah, this song is hard, <laughs> like Steven Seagal, hard to kill. Um, but I love that I still get that same emotional and spiritual response every time I hear it. Um, but then there's also a different, it's responding to a slightly different narrative with every different take or cover on it. And I know that we're not here to sort of consider the breadth of the song in history after its win or whatever, technically, Actually, no, but whatever. <laughs> I never know what the hell we're actually doing. Like, we don't actually have a mandate from, like, the state of New York or whatever yet. But uh, it's it's really been a an emotional and intellectual thrill to consider this song every week. I really have not gotten sick of um, finding new troubled waters to cross with its help because there's, I mean... It's any number of bridges, and I think that's one of the wonderful things about it. To further emphasize the bottomless uh, well that is this song, Danny McEckern, who has been a guest on our podcast before, contacted us after he listened to our Final Four episode to note that for him, the Johnny Cash Fiona Apple cover that we listened to last week had extra resonance because it was on the last album that was released in Johnny Cash's lifetime. And I hadn't put that together, frankly. I knew it was from that general era of his life, but I didn't realize it was from that particular album. And that just adds one more profound layer to what this mm-hmm. song can contain. Yeah, I could have sworn we mentioned that on last week's episode, but, um, you know, <laughs> we we do a lot of talking and I don't always remember everything we said. So uh, thank you, Danny, for pointing but, that out. But, you know, the fact is... None of these versions of the song that we're talking about would likely exist had it not been for the profound impact of the original record. So in a way, we are still talking about the original record because there is something so fantastic about the emotional experience of listening to that record that it makes you want to go digging into the song and see what else you can find there. And... Mm -hmm. I think that it's possible this song would have been covered later had it, the record not hit like it did. But the fact is, it did hit like it did. And it did creep into the consciousness of the country. And it did become something that we all developed as a shared language musically, even if we're not conscious of it. I think a lot of us still know this song in a deep way. And so the power of the record is what made these other el- versions of the song exist. Because if it hadn't been for that record, Art Garfunkel wouldn't have been singing the song at Central Park, you know, if it had flopped or if the record hadn't been good, it, they would have cut it from the tour. They would have just done Sound of Silence three times and gone home. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it really goes back to the uh, emotional impact I was describing before because there's just something so 
beautiful about the build of the song, the promise that's inherent in those opening piano chords that gets delivered on when you get the crashing drums at the end and the strings that just wail for you and then stop just like that. And Art Garfunkel building his vocal from something plaintive to something wailing. It's just so satisfying. And then to think about what those lyrics can mean to us. As I've said many times before, to me, this is fundamentally a song about friendship, although clearly it can also be a song about romance. It can be a song about death. It can be a song about lots of things because the notion of caring for someone in a time of trouble extends to lots of situations in our lives. But it means a lot to me personally to think about it as a song about friendship because I am someone whose friends have become my family for a variety of reasons. And uh, the one of the major journeys of my life, frankly, has been navigating what it means to make family out of people who are not related to you. And yeah. navigating the expectations that one can have of those relationships and navigating what those relationships can provide and getting so very lucky in my life to find so many friends who can love me unconditionally like family and whom I can love unconditionally in return. And it is such a gift. And this song evokes that for me. And I think that it is in the quality of the record, the ability to have that type of emotional connection is in the quality of the record. The record sounds like a song that wants you to feel things. It just it invites you in that way, in a way that Beat It, for instance, is a fabulous record, but doesn't invite the same type of empathy. Beat It is an anxious, skittering record that makes you want to move, but doesn't necessarily command you to, or doesn't necessarily invite you to feel. And there's a generosity to the sound and the build of this song that is incredibly profound and will make me love it forever. And I have to say another example of how good this record is, how good this song is. We have talked this song to death between this season and the two-part episode we did on the Bridge Over Troubled Water album. And I still love it and I still want to talk about it. Yeah, same. And, you know, that... I am not the only person within the sound of my voice right now um, who has heard this at memorial services, who has used this in a parent's memorial service, and who is still able to engage with it as, um, a, as a piece or a work that contains emotional multitudes, um, d- both difficult and uplifting. Yes. And, you know, talk about like, you know, John is part of the family that I have made, um, who are kin, if not blood. Um, But he's going to have to kill us, I'm afraid, Um, or at least me, because uh, as much as I love and admire the Gautier, it's, there's just that little bit of remove and that little bit of like i'm just not sure how timeless and universal this is going to be without Mm -hmm. certain um meta conversations about the construction or about like we were talking about next week or last week uh gautier's um reassembly of his own song in response to other people responding to it like all that stuff is cool as fuck but it's not 
it's not quite at that towering, someone in a robe and surplice can deliver this as a sermon and testimony level, in my opinion. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, fundamentally, it's, I think, something to do with the fact that Somebody That I Used to Know is a song about anger and -hmm. Bridge Over Troubled Water is a song about love. Yeah. And that, to me, has been something I've been considering a lot as well because I want to live as long as possible in the emotional state suggested by the Simon and Garfunkel song, and I don't want to spend as much time in the emotional state suggested by the Gautier song. Yeah. And I just don't want to be angry (laughs) that much. I have been and I'm sure will be again. And I think this song does a great job of making that anger feel present and exciting. He found such a complicated and ultimately empathetic way of expressing the anger. Empathetic not only in the way that he speaks about his own feelings and invites us to understand him, but also in the way he opened the song up to make space for the other person's feelings and argument and there is such energy and 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 true feeling in the way that that comes across and finding this brilliant aesthetic container for the story of this song is also just astonishing because lots of people have felt angry and lots of people have written eloquently about that anger especially when it comes to heartbreak but very few people have been able to also find a musical language that is so startling when compared to what else is on the radio, what else is popular. Uh, he has found something that's so distinct that even if you aren't listening to the words or don't understand the content of the song, the sound of the song is so striking. It, it Nothing sounds like this. And yeah. that is one thing that I have said from the beginning that I remain really enthusiastic about. Lots of songs in their way sound like bridge over troubled water but i very few songs have the the slight like art house vibe of this song the like the refusal to bring a chorus in until two minutes the like weird toy xylophone sound effects the enormous amounts of space that are in the song like the the whooshes and the the pauses and actually all of that brings me to the reason that I chose also a live clip of the song for this week. I thought that this version, which was recorded for the radio station KCRW or is it KRCW KCRW? Anyway, one of those, it's a radio station. There's a K there's an R there's a C there's a W it is, uh, 
it is and is not the record that we know, and I think it's instructive. So here's a little clip of that version. I just love this version because it really heightens how much silence there is in the music, which I know is a weird thing to say because it's not like it's ever quiet, but there is a lot of silence in there. Yeah, there is. Um, I was thinking when you were talking before the clip about the fact that um, it it is an angry song and I think it speaks to the sort of solipsism of um, emotional de- uh, depression and deprivation in yes. both points of view within it but then the version that we heard last week and listeners if you just got here go back and listen to our final four episode there's um a lot of stuff in it that you might find interesting including the somebody's a youtube orchestra gautier re-edit of like a gazillion people covering the original um but there's not really words in that one it's like all no acapella and instrumentalized and in that one it is much more of a sort of rueful bittersweet um like in excavation of the pain um versus this attempt in the original i would posit to um act like everything's fine and it's cool and it's like it's just as well but then that lyric all the end, always the end, which I notice it every time. And I especially noticed it in that clip you pulled that he manages to put almost audible parentheses around it. Like, eh, it's the end, always the end um, that I do find a little something else to to chew on every time I hear this song or a new version of the song. Totally. But it's still not quite... Like, this is a lot closer than I thought it would be for me, but it's still not quite there in terms of the universal towering um, spirituality of it. And that's why I, um, yeah, and I do want to note that if you go to YouTube and you watch the, it's called Gautier Somebody's, a YouTube orchestra, you should also make sure that you read Gautier's author note on this video mm-hmm. because he opens the, the the collage with a guy named Barry who's giving guitar lessons related to this song. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, Gautier says, thank you to Barry for being Barry and guiding us all. I know. It's so <laughs> cute. my shit. So yeah. it's like it is it is it has been it has opened up its um it just it shows you again that this is a song from which a community can be built. Yes. And I wonder too how many of these people were just 
making these recordings because they're just so interested by the sonics of it. No matter what the sonics yeah. are, it could be like, so you gave me a brown shoe. They're like, fine, I don't care. I just want to sort of <laughs> fuck around with the sound. I know. You spilled some mayonnaise on my pants. Great. Here we go. <laughs> now I have to get a tight pin and I do not have <laughs> one. Peas and carrots, um, watermelon stuff. All right. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yes, I. It, it's interesting in this point because we do have to put something in first and we do have to put something in second. But to me, these are both A-plus songs that if you look at the grand scope of this project and you think of all of the pieces of shit that won the record of the year Grammy, <laughs> now yeah. we're at like the Grammys can hold their heads high about both of these awards is what I yes. will say. And I agree. Getting getting second out of sixty four is no, no, no shame. There's no no crime in that. Mm-mm. And uh, I would say, perhaps now we don't even we barely even need to say it. But I will just say officially, especially because of the emotional state in which I would prefer to live. But for all of the other reasons I've said as well, I have given. Bridge Over Troubled Water, my number one slot, and put somebody that I used to know in a very respectable second place. Um, I did the same. And I think if any other song had gotten to to the final matchup, it would have been far less of a struggle. Um, but I really did want to, I wanted to be fair. This does have the force of law, after all. Yes. What we do here. Um, but like f- not forcing myself, but sort of sitting down and being like, do I really like, do I really love Bridge Over Troubled Water more? And if so, why? And then should I vote for it for those reasons? Um, it, I mean, this is what we love about doing this podcast and what we love about hearing from you guys about doing this podcast. So, I am glad that I had the conversation with myself. I'm glad uh, that there's like a multiverse of Gautier's somebodies having conversations with themselves. And that song is a fucking treasure that I think will prove to be pretty timeless. Uh, But yes, Bridge got my vote for number one, somebody number two. And that is also how the patrons voted. So... It was an across-the-board unanimous decision. And I have to say, even when we had the decision to do this season, before we'd recorded a second of it, I kind of suspected this would be our number one. But that's okay. It was still interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually I wasn't more than sure. It was fucking great. I wasn't sure. I actually I, said to Andrew, yeah. I said to Andrew that I thought these would be our final two. I did say that months ago. Um, I am not sure. Like, Bridge Over Troubled Water, I might have suspected would get to the final four but i really thought the 80s were going to do some different things from what they did um a lot of this honestly is um that the grammys gave out a lot of fucking garbage time record of the year awards and made (laughs) our job a little easier in the early going there were a couple of rounds where i was like well now i actually have to think about this shit fuck this (laughs) <laughs> yeah i but mean could, right, if um if yeah. for instance if since you've been gone had one record of the year or literally 
any Beatles song had won record of the year or any Supreme song had won mm-hmm. record of the year. These, yeah, or if me and Bobby McGee had won record, you know, like there, there are many other uh, multiverses where there were better songs win. But even though I suspected this is where we would land, I'm still glad that we did. And it was so much fun to talk about these songs because even the crappy ones are interesting. And then, yeah, really, once we got once we got to the okay, not all of them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Some of the crappy songs were interesting. And once we got to the round of 32, it was a group of songs that I was like compelled by for one reason or another. And I have to say, we've said this to each other on Slack many times. I am sorry that this season is over. I have loved it so much. Yeah, um, we are definitely going to do another season like this um, with awards and, you know, brackets and parallels and whatnot. Um, Not to worry. (laughs) And for Patreon supporters, this season isn't even over. We have a single coming about the most recent Song of the Year winner and how that song might have fared had it been included. And we are going to explore some multiverses. We each picked two years that we felt like we needed to throw out the results for the good of humanity and see how things might have gone differently um, if the real best song of the year had actually gotten the award. So come to patreon.com slash First of all, you get to vote in these things. Second of all, you get extra episodes Third of all, you get to come to happy hour and tell us um, how we're, you know, wasting our lives making all these wrong decisions because we think about it too. But we'd love to have you along. The um, you, you are the somebodies in our uh, podcast orchestra, and we really can't do this without you. It's true. So, yes, um, though we are going to do some record of the year revisionism in our uh, upcoming single, I wouldn't revise a single moment of this journey with you, Sarah, or with any of the listeners. Uh, The only thing I would do is take the bridge back over this troubled water to the beginning, because this is, I think, the most fun season that we've done. I have loved it so much. So, and I love you and I love the listeners. Oh, I love you too. Well, I'm glad that you're somebody I will always know and never have to put it in the past tense. Um, I wouldn't be too sure about that. I think I just heard the front door. There's John. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I should really Run. stop threatening or um, I should really stop impugning John as a murderer. But here's the thing. If I had not gone with Bridge Over Troubled Water, my late mother would have clawed back above ground and like either way I'm going to die. So let's do the right thing on the way. Ah. <laughs> Oh, well, until the, until next time, y'all. Um, on, that, lay... on that zombie barb note. <laughs> so now I'm tired and I'm going to go lay me down in my mm-hmm. bed. There it is. We'll remember every day for the rest of our lives. Time may rush us, hurt or love us, but on this day we have arrived. It's been a long time coming We've been in the running for so long But now we're on our way Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Mark Blankenship. That's me, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. This podcast is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. 
And if you want to talk about songs, suggest a season theme, get a pop chart reading or customized playlist, or have a cocktail with us and your fellow listeners, then come on by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash where you'll find polls, happy hours, and tons of extra episodes and content. We're also at Talk Songs on Twitter, at Mastass Everywhere on Instagram, and Mastass.podcast on Facebook. Or just email us, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. All that contact info will be in our show notes. Scroll down. Hope we'll be talking about songs with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.